Hey friends, it's Mark James. It's Friday, jumping into the weekend. Welcome to the Hey Friends podcast, sponsored by at the Curious Keg Shop on Instagram. That is at the Curious Keg Shop, doing nationwide UK delivery. Um, starting, uh, you can check it out. There should be stuff up for sale today. We're going to try and sort it out today, if not by the morning. So uh, do check it out and you can start getting your orders in, which will be posted out on Monday. Monday, Monday. So good to me. It's very exciting stuff in my house at the minute with the old cake shop. So last night I left you with a finger up the arse. (laughs) So to speak, said the actress to the bishop. Uh, The very last thing that happened to me in the saga saga was that I got a finger up the arse. Um, Let's continue from there, shall we? (laughs) By the way, it wasn't just any finger. This was like a six foot three guy in West Africa. It was a big finger. (laughs) It might have even been two. Fuck knows, maybe I've been fisted. Oh God, that was a sentence. So yeah, um, it was quite an event. I got thrown out. I get back out with the port agent and I've got my suitcases, but I'm, you know, a few hundred dollars lighter, which the police have taken from me. Um, We get out to the port agent's car and there's a German guy sitting in there already who's been collected, but he didn't go through the same hassle as me, apparently. Um, The port agent's driving us to the hotel and we're driving. It must be like 2, 3 a.m. now and we're driving through Togo and... The streets are full of people and we're in this open open back like pickup truck, but it's got no windows in. So you imagine the front window of the car and the side windows in the cab bit. Three of us are in there, but there is no glass, just holes and our cases and stuff are on the back. And even though it's the middle of the night, there are literally what felt like hundreds of people, adults, kids out in the streets and... Um, they're like surrounding the car and they're amazed to see us. And the, there's potholes everywhere. The roads are so bad. So we're going really slowly. And while we're driving, all of these hands are coming through the window. And I remember this one guy like grabbing the strap on my bag. I had like one of those shoulder bags that goes across your middle. Sort of grabbing the strap and holding on a bit too long and kind of running along the side with the car. It was kind of a weirdly amazing slash terrifying experience (laughs) i know my friend john uh who's also a magician and ventriloquist listens to this podcast and he's got some great stories about travel and i'll bet he's had a similar experience to this i must ask him uh hey kimo so um yeah I, i kind of was going to we're going to the hotel then we pull up outside of this hotel and honestly the word shithole would be a severe upgrade for this place. (laughs) This place would have to hire a Michelin-starred chef to upgrade to the level of shithole, is how bad it is. And as soon as we pull up outside, I'm thinking, I really, really hope this is not my hotel. Like, please do not let this be my hotel. And... um, We drop the German guy off and I'm thinking, well, thank God for that. And then me and the port agent drive for a couple more minutes and we get outside of this hotel. And now I'm thinking, I really wish I was staying at that other place. (laughs) Because this place makes a shithole look like a palace. I am in the worst hotel in the whole of West Africa, no doubt. So we get out of the car and I get the suitcases off and he tells me he'll pick me up at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. on the dot. I'll pick you up. I said, okay. I go in the hotel. 
the night porter manager guy's there and um, he checks me in and then he says he'll take me up to the room and he goes to carry one of my bags and I say, no, it's okay, I'll carry them myself because I know that he's going to want a tip for carrying the bags. But the problem is I now have no money because all my money got taken by the police. So I carry 46 kilograms of suitcases up the stairs in this hotel. And I'm not kidding. As we're walking up the stairs, he's literally stepping on cockroaches that are exploding into my face. But I can't wipe the cockroach juice off my face because I'm carrying 46 kilograms of luggage. (laughs) Maybe 56 kilograms. I had hand luggage as well around my body. But I'm carrying these two suitcases up the stairs. We get to the room and it's grim. There's like half a cockroach in the bathroom it's really horrible and then the guy says to me can I get you any food or drink and I said is the water bottled and he said yeah and I said okay I'll have some two bottles please can you charge them to the room for the company he said yes now you might be wondering why would Saga put me in such a horrible hotel they didn't all right my agent Saga all of those people they would not have put me in that hotel but there's a scam that happens and the scam is this Saga will book the port agent in whatever port they're in. This wasn't a regular one for them. And they'll say, uh, we've got this person coming in. Here's $750. Can you pick them up, take them to an adequate hotel, drop them off the next morning? Uh, Please put them in, you know, Ramada Inn, Travel Lodge, Standard kind of places. Um, And the port agent will say, oh, yeah, of course, no problem. But then as soon as they've got the money, they say, well, balls to that. We'll put him in this place that's $50 a night or $20 a night and we'll make the big biggest amount of profit and everyone takes a bit of a share and Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your auntie apparently and that's the end of that. So you get put in some crappy hotel when the company have paid over the odds to get you in a nice hotel. So um, that's how it goes down. So he says fine, he goes off to get me some water and he comes back up with the water and uh, he says I'll call your room in a few minutes to check everything's okay. And I think oh okay. So he goes off and I lock the door and uh, I immediately get the wardrobe and I push it across the room against the door because I don't want anyone trying to come in in the night. Um, then a few minutes later he calls the room and he says could I get you anything else? And I said what? What? <laughs> no, I'm good with the water. He says, would you like a massage? And I think to myself, either this guy is coming on to me or he's offering me a prostitute because this place does not have a spa. There is no way that this hotel has any kind of facilities. And I say, um, uh, <laughs> out of poor curiosity, really, um, a massage who gives the massage? And he goes, a man, a woman, a little kid, whatever you want. I sort it for you. And I'm like, okay, I'm good for the prostitute, if that's all right. Okay, thank you, my friend. He goes off the phone. So now I'm terrified because I've rejected this thing. I'm worried that this guy, by the way, I didn't reject it because I had no money. (laughs) I'd have said no anyway. All right. Honestly, Seriously, officer, I promise I would have said no. So uh, he's offered me this massage. Um, I assume, you know, I assume it was, maybe it was all above board. Maybe it was just a normal shiatsu. Um, Anyway, isn't that a type of dog? Let's move on. So I've got all the furniture against the door. There's all sorts of noise going on. People are shouting in the street. There's vans flying up and down. There's cars racing. There's all sorts of stuff. There's gunshots. There's people outside in the corridor. 
I literally get out the jungle formula, this spray that keeps bugs away, and I spray it all over the bed. Every single bit of the bed I cover in this jungle formula. And I sit on the middle of the bed, and I probably don't fall asleep until about 6.30 a.m. Because I'm dead. I can't stay awake any longer. Uh, and then at 7, the phone rings in the room. And I answer the phone. And the guy on the other end of the phone says, I'm here to pick you up for the ship. And I say... I thought that you were coming at 10 o'clock. And he goes, yes, but we're ready now. Please come downstairs. And so I say, no. Could you come back for me at 10 like you planned, please? Because something just didn't seem right. I put the phone down. <clears throat> I chill. I wait until 10 a.m. 10.05, just give him a few minutes. I get downstairs with the cases. The same guy's there from the night before. And I said to him, why did you come at 7 a.m.? And he said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, you came for me at 7 a.m. He said, no, I didn't. I said, oh. And then I realized that I was potentially in a abduction situation, you know, where I could have been taken away and killed, maybe, or robbed, or who knows. Maybe just had my cases taken. Maybe they'd have loaded my stuff up on the car and then just driven away, and I'd have been stood there. I do not know what the thing was. I just know that that guy had no idea what I was talking about. So then he drives me to the ship. We get stopped by a few guards. As we get to the first guards, he said, this man's going to ask you for money. This is the port agent now supposed to be looking after me. I said, what for? He said, I don't know, a new TV, whatever. And I'm like, tell him I have no money. He said, you'll have to tell him. So I tell him I have no money. They wave me through reluctantly. I get my passport stamped. I finally make it to the ship. I get on the ship and I meet the cruise director who I was not a fan of. We did not get on. I tell her the whole story. And while I'm telling her the story, I'm so broken now that I cry in a, a fully grown man. I mean, I say fully grown, I was 24. But um, I tell her the whole story and I cry. And she goes, and I mean the whole story. I mean, finger up the arse, cockroaches, prostitutes, every single bit of it. And she goes, oh, well, cheer up. You're on tonight. <laughs> oh, talk about a situation for a gig. So I, I'm like, I'm like a rabbit in the headlights. I go up to the sound check and I check all my cues and stuff. Then I go back to my room. Saving Grace, to be fair, Saga, the ships are unbelievable. So the cabin that I've got is lovely. They're quite old fashioned, but so are the audience. So that's nice. Um, it's very Titanic vibe, which is, of course, lovely. Um, so I get in my cabin. I've got a bathtub in the cabin. I think, well, this is perfect. So I get in the bathtub. I run the bath. Not in that order, obviously. I never understand those things. You know where in films people get into the shower and then they turn the shower on? But they don't do that bit where you go, oh, shit, but and it's too hot or it's too cold. Does anybody in real life do that? Does anybody turn on the shower and, sorry, get in the shower and then turn it on? That's mental, isn't it? Nobody does that. So I turn the shower on and then I get in. But in this instance, I turn the bath on. I run the bath. I get in the bath. This by now, I think it's about 11 o'clock in the morning, maybe half 11. And I get in the bath and I, of course, fall asleep. My show is a quarter past nine. I wake up in the bath, 8.45. <laughs> this is not good. This is not good at all. Thankfully, everything's set up, but I'm dazed. I'm tired. For me now, it might as well be the middle of the day. Time difference, I've slept and everything, but I'm in the bath. My fingers are so wrinkly. I don't look like I ever had fingerprints, let alone like I'm ever going to get them back anytime soon. 
So I make it out of the bath. I get a shower, obviously, to freshen up, get dressed, put my suit on. But I've made a very bad faux pas. I decided <laughs> before I went on the ship that I wanted to look really good. Do you remember that magician I talked about the other day that I read he was on the front cover of a magazine, Paul Kozak? At the time, I was really into his magic and he wore this zoot suit. You know, the kind of suit that gangsters wore in 40s films where the jacket is long. So I thought I'll get one of them. But I messed the measurements up, so the jacket was actually shorter than a regular jacket would be, but it was all I had. So I've got this bright red suit, and I didn't know until the night time, but the, because the curtains had been open when I'd done the sound check, they were full open curtains because they had a band on, but the curtains were the exact same colour as my suit. So when I was standing on stage in front of it, you couldn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> apart from my white shirt and I even had a red tie oh it was terrible my case was red and white everything matched it was really bad and I wasn't very good I wasn't good enough for the gig at the time to be fair um so I go on you know and I'm a broken man and I mean broken and I had probably the worst show of my entire life up until that point and maybe the worst show I've had since who knows um I've got the whole thing on DVD thankfully <laughs> so I can relive it whenever I want I go on and I absolutely died on my arse I mean brutal like nearly as bad as the new year gig but on a ship which makes it worse because if you can't kill on a ship you really are bad ships are a hard gig to get but once you get on there you basically smash every show because you know, the audience are expecting you're going to be brilliant. So as long as you're up to the task, they're going to love it. You know, it, it is hard to die on a cruise. It still happens occasionally to everyone, but it's very rare compared to regular gigs. So I died on a ship, which makes it worse. Um, I came off stage. The cruise director asked me to come to her office straight away. She said, how do you think that went? I said, well, I'll be honest. I think it was awful. But I also think that having been told everything I told you this morning, it was a bad idea to put me on in the first place. I've been asleep in the bath for 10 hours. I'm traumatised. I've had a finger up the arse. <laughs> I've slept in a room with more cockroaches than Jumanji. I don't know what you expected. She said, oh, well, I'm glad you knew it didn't go well, because if you'd have thought that was all right, I'd have had to fly you home tomorrow. But seeing as you know it was shite, I'm going to let you stay on. <laughs> I don't know whether I wanted to kiss her on the face or throttle her. It was hard to decide. So um, I said, all right. So I went back to my cabin and uh, I tried to go to sleep. And then I did another show for those passengers, which was very poorly attended. Because if you die the first time, nobody's going to come and see your second show. So um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't do well. But then the guests all changed. I was actually on the ship for 26 days. The guests all changed. And so did the cruise director. And all the acts as well, except me. So I had a fresh start, but in a place where I felt comfortable. So I never put the red suit on again. I learned a lot of lessons and changed my act around quite a bit. Uh, I got on really well with the acts that got on. Uh, Simon, um, Simon, oh, blimey. Why has his name gone out of my head? Because he was lovely. Simon, I'm just searching my phone because he'll be here. Simon Sands, that's the fellow. I've not seen him in years. Simon Sands was on there and he was great fun. And uh, a couple of other acts that I got on brilliant with. And uh, we had a lovely time. And then my next show with a great cruise director called Jonathan uh, was a smash. And then I was really happy. And then my next show before I went home was great as well. And then I flew home. I think I flew home on the 20... No, I tell you what, it was the 15th of December 
Yeah, it was. It was the 15th of December I flew home and I landed at Heathrow. And because it was so hot in Barbados, I decided that I was <laughs> decided that I was going to wear my shorts because it's like w summer in Barbados when it's winter here. You know, uh, Australia, the hottest time of year is December. So um, I had shorts on and then I landed at 4 a.m. at Heathrow in these shorts in the blistering snow and realised what a bad idea it was. And then also I only had a, a off-peak train ticket so I couldn't get the train from Heathrow to the next place I needed to be because my train wasn't valid until nine o'clock. So I had to sit in my shorts in Heathrow for five hours freezing my balls off. <laughs> I've got a great picture of me and Simon in the in the Heathrow waiting for the thing. Oh, my God. And then when I finally did get on the train, the Gatwick Express, it's like 30 minutes between Heathrow and Gatwick. I fell asleep on there and I didn't wake up until we we're on the way back to Heathrow. <laughs> so I sat on the Gatwick Express from Heathrow, got to Gatwick, stayed on, went back to Heathrow again, woke up, realised I was going the wrong direction. I got off the train, all the things are going, you are now arriving at Heathrow. I'm thinking, arriving at Heathrow? That's where I left. I realised what had happened. I got back on, finally got off at Gatwick. Then I got a hire car and uh, drove home. Absolute nightmare. But that is the end of the saga, saga. Hell of a story, that, in it? I mean, with a bit in the first episode, that's a 20-minute story. Um, I'll be back to telling you three stories uh, tomorrow because I've got some really funny stuff to tell you tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I can't wait. All right, friends, go check out at The Curious Cake Shop on Instagram. You're all awesome, and I love you. Cheers for listening. You make my day. Bye.